Hey, we're back. This is Matt with Congregation 5, and this is the final installment of our series of going through the book of Acts to see what is God doing as he is planting Congregation 5. And my guest today on our last episode of this series is Miss Meg Cockrum. Meg, welcome. Woohoo. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's woohoo worthy. Come on. Yeah, woohoo. Yeah. Last one. <laughs> Less quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, will you will you tell people who you are and maybe how you got to Midtown? Uh, yeah, I'm Meg. <laughs> um, and I ended up in Nashville from a job at Vandy doing the nurse residency here. Um, I ended up at Midtown because of a couple of my friends who went to Midtown at the time were like, you need to come. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to stay here because <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah. Tell us what you do now. So I'm a nurse at Vanderbilt. I'm an adult cardiovascular step-down nurse and patient. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, Meg's parents are also dear friends of Lee and I. They are at the church where we were serving before coming to Midtown. And so it was really fun to get to move from two members of the Cochran family to another member. So (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Mark and Janet out there in podcast land. Um, Meg, so thankful to have you today and so thankful to have you on our leadership team and just really glad to be talking about what we're talking about today. And so... What we're talking about is that in putting together this community and gathering this community that is Congregation 5, God is gathering a community of limping men and women, men and women who have been in need of healing, still are in need of healing, but He is healing us, He is restoring us, He has healed us and has restored us in very real ways, Jesus who is this great physician. And so God is using this community of men and women walking with a limp to heal and restore others. And so what does that mean for us? It means that we have to learn how to walk with people on the journey from pain management, which is what we're we're used to doing, to deep healing and restoration that is found in Jesus, who is the great physician. And so uh, I thought it was fitting that Meg, who is our our nurse, would be <laughs> our guest on this episode. Um, <laughs> so thanks, Meg. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so Meg, would you read our passage for us? We're in Acts 3, 1 through 10. Uh, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was carried from whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thanks, Meg. I love this story. And so as we walk through the story, we're going to start off by looking at this man, this lame man who was healed, and then we're going to look at Peter and John and look at Jesus' disciples. So starting off with this man, this man was lame from birth. He was laid daily at this gate by the temple to beg for alms, basically. So the reality that he was lame from birth, that's a picture of us spiritually, all of us, you know, we, we live post-fall, and so we are lame from birth. Uh, we have never known full health. <laughs> <laughs> Until we encounter Jesus, we have never known full health. Mm-hmm. And 
This made me think of a verse from Mark chapter 2, verse 17, where Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so in that passage, Jesus is making a connection, a very clear connection between our physical well-being being a, a almost a picture, a metaphor of mm-hmm. our spiritual well-being. And so Jesus, when he came and he was performing these healing signs, and now his apostles are performing these healing signs, Jesus was very clear that that's not the main thing. Like, if you're amazed at that, that's great, but I'm doing this to show you that I have the power to heal spiritually. And so, Meg, I wanted to ask you as a nurse and a disciple of Jesus, how do you think about the interplay when you read passages like this of physical healing? That's kind of what you're doing. That's what God's gifted Mm -hmm. you to do day in, day out, and spiritual healing. Every day when I'm at work, there's always such a connection with, you know, the biblical aspect of the great physician, getting to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus healing people. When I lived in Spain, I nannied for a family, and they used to always talk about the connection about the heart and the hands and how the word pulsata, which is like the word for like a bracelet, which, you know, would like be right on your wrist, how from your heart out through your hands um, into Mm. the actual healing aspect. And so... Whenever I think about that, I think about how, you know, like we as nurses and also us as the body of Christ, from the heart where Jesus is are to the hands of the people in the community and how his heart just beats for us as we are, you know, the literal hands and feet of Jesus. I love that. So let's look at this man a little closer and let's think about this man in terms of how he sheds light on us as we're searching and we're looking for... uh, think we know what we need and and living out of this lifestyle of pain management. He's lame from birth, so that affects the way that he understands health and understands what's possible and understands what life is. He's got people in his life who are reinforcing this rut that he's in, Mm -hmm. that here are your circumstances. They can never change. You just need to get on board with life as it's presented to you and as you know it now. And then he also thinks that he knows what he needs most. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. devoting himself every day to begging for alms, and he thinks that to collect this money is what he needs most. But this is actually pain management. This is not real healing. Yeah. And, and what he needs the most is real healing. Yeah. So I want to stop here and just ask, Meg, can you think of a time or ways in which you actually go to God and say, well, God, I know what I need. Here's what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it could be something as simple as, you know, oh, I'm about to get pulled over. Like, please don't let me get a ticket. <laughs> you know, just like praying, like, please, no, not a ticket. <laughs> to even the bigger things of, you know, just begging God for, you know, being a single woman. I'm 32, you know, still being single. It's like begging God, like, when is it my turn? I want that spouse. I know that it's definitely what's right for me. A lot of times I end up asking God for big things that I think are what's best for me. And it really is not God's best for me because he has the right timing and the right season for it. Mm. I have those places too. There are many times where I decide what I need and I play the part of the great physician for myself. And I, mm-hmm. I begin to make God my gopher essentially mm-hmm. or, or whatever you call the, <laughs> the attending people, you know, the nurses or whoever else that, you know, the doctor's just saying, hey, hand me this, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I really flip it to where I'm the great physician for myself and I'm asking yeah. God to just hand me 
the tools that I need to make make this thing happen. <laughs> and I and we can be just like this man. We just miss real healing because we're so obsessed with pain management. Yeah. And that's really so true in the medical world. Like I can specifically think of one patient, like when you're asking these questions, I had a patient for like three weeks in a row. He was hilarious. Every day he was like, man, come watch Hot Bench with me on the TV. And so we'd watch Hot Bench together. And like, <laughs> What's Hot Bench? It's this judge show. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like a Judge Judy? <laughs> yeah, like a Judge Judy. And um, he was always convinced that like the guilty people were innocent, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, oh no, he, that person definitely stole that person's car and crashed it into that other person's house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind, you know, <laughs> it was so funny. He was a riot, but he was like always on the call. I asking, you know, can I have more Oxy? Can I have more Dilaudid? Can I have this? Can I have that? And it's like, the reason he was there is because he had injected his foot with something that he shouldn't have. And so we were waiting for his foot to like die to see what part of his foot would die so that we could actually cut it off. So that way he would have true healing from cutting off the dead part. Wow. But what he really wanted was just the pain management, the quick and the short. And, you know, it only lasts for so long, but it feels so good, you know, and it takes away that just pain of, ah, oh, it's just so present and not like unceasing. Um, so for him, it didn't matter how much I gave him, he was still going to have pain until we actually had the surgery to provide true healing for him. Mm. God gave me a picture of drug addiction in my mm -hmm. life when all of this quarantine started mm. and the the things that I spend so much of my time thinking that I need from him. And then in quarantine, some of those things disappearing mm -hmm. and me starting to freak out a little bit and God saying, Matt, you are like a drug addict. If you asked a drug addict, hey, you know yourself, tell me what you need. They're mm -hmm. gonna answer, I need more drugs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I need them right now. Yeah. And that's what I need to be okay. Mm -hmm. And a sane person who's watching that conversation would say, no, no, actually, I know what they need. It's to never have drugs again. Exactly. <laughs> like it's to get away from drugs. Yes. And, and so how many different ways I live like that in mm -hmm. on a spiritual, emotional level of uh, I think I know what I need and the things that I'm actually asking God for and frustrated when he doesn't give me are actually the things that are killing me yeah. and, and keeping me from life. I was also thinking of one of our other patients we had who was a drug addict and was um, admitted for endocarditis where basically all the drugs she had injected had engulfed themselves on her valve. So we detoxed her and were able to get her off all the drugs and everything. And she and I had a very intentional conversation. We had her for like six weeks. Um, one time where she was like, what do I do when I go home? Mm. And I said, well, you have to change your whole life. The people you've been hanging out with, they're all drug addicts. You have to change your life. This is a rut that you can't stay in. And so it was interesting seeing her process through like, well, how do I do that? Because mm. now that her head was all clear, she's like, oh, this is not life. This is not what I need. Like, I actually need to change everything about me from literally the inside out. Wow. So seeing kind of how she was learning to remap those ruts in her life to turn into like actual life-giving places was really cool. Wow. What a powerful picture, Meg. When you and I live in this place of pain management and we play the great physician for ourselves and we think that we know what we need, then that actually changes the way we interact with everybody around us. Because mm -hmm. like this man, when I think that I need something that I don't have in Jesus 
or if I'm somebody that I don't know Jesus. If yeah. I if I'm somebody that doesn't yet have a relationship with Jesus, then that puts me in this position where all I can do is beg from everybody that I encounter mm-hmm. because I know that I need things and I can't get those things for myself. And so I'm going to demand that the people in my life, whether it's coworkers or mm-hmm. supervisors or spouse or children or friends or significant others, I'm going to demand that those people or my church, mm-hmm. I'm going to demand that those people give me what I need and what I want. And so I find myself in this victim mentality. And this is where we're going to make the shift here is that, you know, we see these disciples, these men, John and Peter, whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And they are freed up from living in this victim mentality, this place of lack. They are now in a place where when they're living out of the truth of the gospel, they actually are full and they have something to offer. And so that's the way that we see them engage with this man in this passage. So I want to just stop here and talk about that for a second is just this reality that being God's sons and daughters changes the way that we walk around in God's world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what it's like to be a daughter of my parents and how I always get so excited to go places with them because people know them and because they know them, I'm automatically accepted. Like I always think of every party that we go to, I get so excited because I'm like, I know I'm going to have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) If you know my parents, you know they're hilarious. You will not be bored. (laughs) You will not be bored ever. (laughs) You know, I don't know what Janet's going to do, but she's probably going to try to set me up with someone there. Um, (laughs) You got to stay on your toes, Meg. You got to stay on your toes. Uh, She will probably find 15 different ways to help everyone there. And then my dad will be besties with somebody and then also spill on someone significant at the party. (laughs) (laughs) But so my earthly parents are a reflection of my heavenly father because I can go into any situation with confidence, knowing that I have their DNA in my blood, knowing that I am fully loved and fully accepted. So I think being sons and daughters of God, knowing that we have his DNA flowing through our blood, like we can walk in our lives with confidence, um, knowing that no matter what, he's already gone before us and that he is with us. Yeah. And just like Peter and John, I don't necessarily have what you're asking for, Mm -hmm. but I have what you need. And, you know, to go back to a, a medical, physical picture of this, if I'm carrying around a syringe with the antidote for some (laughs) COVID-19, we'll say. Oh, man, Uh, give me that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that changes the way I encounter somebody Mm -hmm. when they say, hey, I've got this problem that I don't have a solution for. If the solution to that is in my pocket, Mm -hmm. that changes the way that I engage them. That changes the way that I think about our conversation. That even changes the way of of whether the, the... we'll call it negativity or bad news of, of whatever they're struggling with, whether it is or is not threatening to me. Yeah. And, and because, you know, I can find myself in places all the time where when I encounter somebody whose things just seem dark, mm-hmm. um, I can forget who I am and just want to get out of there. Because <laughs> I can say, <laughs> like, my circumstances are mm-hmm. hard right now, too. I can't handle yours on top of mine, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to basically exit this conversation because I can't handle any more weight. That's how I live when I forget who I am and I forget the truth of the gospel. Yeah. I love what it says here that 
Peter and John, they directed their gaze Mm -hmm. on this man. They really saw this man, and that's a definition of love that the Lord has been opening my eyes to, is that to love is to pay attention. Yeah. And so to pay attention to the people in my life, the people that I pass every day that I have minor exchanges with because they're the barista at the coffee shop where I go, or major exchanges with uh, because they live in my house, or they're a good friend, or they're somebody that I work with. But to love is to pay attention. And that's a, mm-hmm. a call that the Lord has put on our lives as people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, who have literally the light of life in us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Meg, what does it look like to pay attention to people? So for me with quarantine, it's been such a great time to just push the restart button and to really think about what's important in my life and what really matters and what I actually want to cut out. Like when all this quarantine is over, what I really don't want to have to come back to. Um, And one of the things I've really loved is learning to pay attention to things when you're not, you know, trolling through all the social media. I've really loved starting to sit on my front porch and paying attention to my neighbors. I've been meeting a lot of my neighbors and talking with them and, you know, like planting little seeds of the gospel um, and seeing where they really have needs. That's been really sweet to like learn, relearn how to actually pay attention to people and not just hear in our ears what they have needs of, but actually listen and have it go down and remember it and I think God's been really sweet to kind of remind me of, you know, like, these are my children, and I need you to not just hear them. I need you to actively listen to them and remember, which has been sweet for my heart to, you know, remember those things and text them or call and be like, hey, how is this going? Like, how can Mm -hmm. I pray for you in this? Like, what's going on with this? So it's been a sweet time of God reminding me of, like, this is how you actively can be my hands and feet by paying attention to my people. Yes. That's been something that stood out to me in this season too, is people in my life who I love, who don't yet know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, The Lord, just through all the craziness of the racial stuff being stirred up and Mm -hmm. the pandemic stuff, you know, the quarantine and people being apart, all these things are just tilling up soil that was hard before. I mean, there are people in my life that I know in different ways and some of them more substantial interactions than others, but I've been laying down the the seed and trying to plant these gospel seeds, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. for a long time. And for some of these folks have not seen hardly any response. And then now all of a sudden there's starting to be questions and people are starting to pick up on what you know, what we're laying down and talking about. And it's really encouraging. It's like in this passage, you know, Peter and John are very sure that, Mm -hmm. listen, I don't have what you think you need, but I have what you actually need. Mm -hmm. And that just shapes the way that they walk into these relationships with these people, Uh, not to please these people, not to avoid conflict, not Mm -hmm. to hope that these people like them, but with real love for those people, that that real love takes paying attention. It takes uh, knowing what is most needed and it takes the love and the patience and the kindness and the self-forgetfulness and the courage to walk into these relationships over 
uh, sometimes a, a long period of time. There are friends that I've been praying for for years, and so that definitely hits home for me. Yeah. As I was listening to you, Matt, I had the image of Jesus at the well with the woman at the well, and how what she wanted, you know, was a drink of water, but what she actually needed was the living water of life, and that's what he had to offer, and that is so reflective in what Peter and John are doing. The man wanted alms, but what he really needed was true healing. Yes, and that, coupled with what you said a second ago, reminds me of something I read recently that talking about how we interact with people. We don't listen to the words this person said. We listen through the words. Mm -hmm. So we take the words into account, but we hear the heart behind the way that the person is speaking and the emotion and the way that they're even coloring their language. The fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, the woman at the well is talking about water. Yeah. And there is a soul water that she's (laughs) thirsty for. And that's a practical way that we can engage with people is to use the language that their heart's already speaking. When they're talking about what they need and they're presenting problem, their their symptoms that they're experiencing as we walk with them, sometimes in the same conversation, sometimes over a relationship that spans years Mm -hmm. to walk them back to the roots of those presenting problems and those symptoms to apply the healing of the gospel, the healing of the great physician Mm -hmm. to their deepest needs to bring new life and to bring that healing and restoration that we're talking about. Yeah. So the end of our passage here, you see this man who is healed, he's restored, and you see him jumping and leaping and praising (laughs) God, which is awesome and and wild and and uh and you see him going with Peter and John into the temple to worship God and you see the way that the beginnings at least of the way that this is changing the way that he interacts with other men and women in his community who've just known him as the handicapped guy mm-hmm. who sits at the gate of the temple now he's at a full person yeah and now he can engage with these people in community and in relationships in new ways and so all of that to ask this question, as Jesus brings healing and restoration, he's restoring my relationship with myself, the way that I see myself. He's restoring my relationship with my community, and he's restoring my relationship with him. And so I know there are many ways, but Meg, what are some, some ways that come to your mind now that you have seen this healing and restoration in these different relationships uh, in yourself and in other people? That's a really good question. I think for me, the one that is most prevalent that comes to mind is thinking about my friends, Matt and Courtney. They have been waiting for five years to have a baby and haven't been able to have a baby. And God's precious timing, he's blessed them with a gift that was born last week. Uh. And just the healing and the restoration from that, just thinking about you know, how we have seasons where we have unanswered prayer for unexplainable reasons and how sometimes God's greatest mercy is when he says no or not right now because he is going to wait for his timing so that he can get the most glory out of it because it's all about our good and his glory. And so when I think about that, I just think about how exponentially more excited it is that this sweet little gift Elias is here um, and how we just get to rejoice and continue to tell a story of God's goodness his whole life and just being so excited about 
how we have a physical representation of like, we waited for this and this is God's sweet gift that he's given us. Hmm. Maggie sharing that reminds me of something that you pointed out this week as we were talking about how this man, it was very likely that his family and then he had been praying for healing and hoping for healing for a long time <laughs> a if long he was time. 40 years old mm-hmm. and that the Lord was saying no and saying not yet for many years mm-hmm. through many prayers. But this was the day. This was the timing that he had ordained for this man to be healed and does the same thing in our lives and mm-hmm. uses the pain and uses the suffering and the the not yet for his glory, even when we can't understand it. Yeah. I just think of the friends that that lame man had, how they had to have had such a love for him to carry him every day to the temple to beg and to continue to plead for him to have, you know, even some temporary, you know, relief from his suffering. And then when they get to see him totally healed, can you imagine the party they had? <laughs> I mean, they're like probably leaping and jumping with him. I mean, yeah. I know I would have. <laughs> Absolutely. Just so it's just that picture of like when it's God's time, it's just amplified the joy and the excitement and how we just get to glory and revel in all that he does. Mm. That's a great encouragement for us as we journey with Jesus and walking with people from helping them and us uh, as we walk with each other, moving away from a lifestyle of pain management to deep healing. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a lot of not yets. There are going to be a lot of times where we are seeking Jesus for his healing and his transformation, and he is not going to do it on our timetable. And maybe not even going to do it at all in the way that we think he should do it. But he is the great physician, not mm-hmm. us. And that's what it is to walk by faith. That's what it is to live the life of a disciple of Jesus, that he calls us to live by faith and to say, I am the great physician. You are dearly loved, but you are not the great physician. And so <laughs> it reminds me of a place that I used to go and, and serve uh, the man who was in charge of that place in the inner city would say, I'm so thankful you're here, but I need your hands and your heart, not your head. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like, thank you for all your ideas that you have from one day of being here. I've been here for years. And so I don't need your idea. (laughs) I don't need your, there's no suggestion box. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I need your hands. I need you to just trust me that this is the best way to love these people and give them your heart and give them your hands. But I don't need <laughs> I don't need a second physician in the operating room. We're good. <laughs> we are good. And so that's that is a very necessary reminder for me personally, but for us as the people of God as we embark on this journey of becoming Congregation Five and inviting people into this to receive healing and restoration that We are not in control of this process. Thank goodness. (laughs) Thank the Lord. But we are in the hands of the great physician, Mm -hmm. and he will do his good work in our midst. Yeah. Meg, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being a part of this Thanks for letting me be here. (laughs) Yeah, and thanks for coming today. And uh, you are such an encouragement to me. God has gifted you with such an ease of sharing the gospel with people that you encounter in such a winsome loving way. And uh, I can't just, for people listening, I can't tell you how many 
times I've heard Meg talk about friends she's bringing to the great physician and and even her friends talk about how uh, she has brought them to the great physician. So that is, Thanks, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you were you were an encouragement and you were a blessing to us in this area. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, just thankful to be a small part of what God's doing. I mean, it's all for Him, and I'm excited to just be a little piece of our body, kind of like what you were talking about the other day with the four words. You know, I think one of the things I'm gifted at is the excitement and encouraging. And thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. You guys definitely have been such a blessing to my family. Um, you are a brother. Mm. Thank you, Meg. Well, Sister Meg. Brother uh, Matt. With, with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, this concludes a very fun season of these podcasts and uh, this series going through Acts. And uh, don't know when we'll be back in terms of uh, the Lord may put something on our hearts to come back and do another little podcast run, or the next time you hear from us may just be once we've planted and we start having our weekly sermons uploaded in podcast form. So either way, this has been a huge gift. Major shout out to Stephen Goss for his hospitality and his lending his gifts to us to make this possible. And yeah, I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, thank you again for uh, your faithfulness. And Lord, thank you that we can trust you as the great physician for ourselves and also for the people in our lives who we love deeply and we want to see healed and we want to see restored. Lord, we ask that you would make us more and more adept instruments of healing in your hands, vessels of your healing to bring uh, your gospel healing and transformation to our community, to men and women in our lives. And Lord, just continue to do your good work for our good and for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.